You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to speak this morning on getting to the heart of anger. So I hope everybody had a good Christmas. Uh, We had a really good Christmas. We had a crazy week, though. Um, Last Saturday, a week ago, uh, we were at our house, and all of a sudden, we're we're kind of goofing around in the living room, and we start seeing water seep through. through We have wood floors, too. We're looking like, oh, my gosh, there's, there's water and water had flooded uh, through our kitchen, our living, our, our living room, and then to our utility room. Our, our washing machine never turned off, and it just kept pouring. Thank the Lord where we're home. Uh, you know, so we, uh, we scrambled. We put, you know, rags and, and towels down, uh, borrowed a little vacuum cleaner that sucked up water, tried our best to do that. We called the insurance company. And insurance companies sent out uh, this, these guys that put up these big industrial fans. And we had eight of these things going in the house, and these things are loud. And uh, so they said, it's going to be a day. It's going to be good. You know, so this was Sunday. Um, and so um, Monday night, uh, Sunday night, I'm actually going to sleep, and it sounds like a 747 outside your door. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, they're so loud. And so they came the next day and they said, you know, it's still not, still not dry. we got to keep it there. And uh, this went on, this went on. They're still there. And uh, I noticed throughout the week that I'm getting irritated. I'm getting frustrated. And lay down. You hear this. It's like, oh, Lord. You say, Kevin, why do you tell this story? Because you're talking about anger. Well, irritation and frustration is anger. You see, it's easy to be blind to your own anger. You know, at some point where you frustrated this week, maybe uh, somebody got to you. Maybe you were driving. Easiest thing for me. Uh, somebody's in front of you taking a left, and there's plenty of room, and they're not going. And you're just like, please Go. You know, you just get frustrated. Where's this come from? Maybe your spouse is irritating you. Somebody at work, something's happened this week. Maybe it's your kids, and you're frustrated. All of us could give examples here because every one of us in this room deal with anger. Some of you are here, and you know you're angry. You have a, a nice face on the outside, but inside you're hurting. Your spouse, you're upset with them. They haven't met your expectations. You're resentful because you're not married. See, it's easily frustrated. Easy to get frustrated, and if you're here this morning, you have a low grade of frustration, a low grade of anger, that things just irritate you. That's what we're talking about this morning. So... This morning, what I hope to do is, is talk about the heart of anger. Um, we're going to look at Genesis 4. We're also going to use a, a wonderful parallel passage that Jeff read in James 4. 
And uh, we're going to look at the types of anger and what's the heart behind the anger and then what's the solution to the anger. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at Genesis chapter 4. And let's look at verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man from the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but the Lord, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. This is right after the fall, sometime after the fall. Uh, Adam and Eve have two kids, and through the course here, we see that one grows up and becomes a shepherd, and the other grows up to be a farmer. And uh, you can see that offerings had already been established because it says in the course of time they go to the Lord with their offering. This is something they already know. And, uh, and you look at this and it says the Lord had regard for one and he didn't have regard for the other. What do you think the Lord was, had regard for one and not for the other? What do you think that was? you think it was their jobs? Maybe being a shepherd is a little bit more noble than being a farmer? Maybe, now. See, God's focus and his, his acceptance or his not acceptance was not based on their vocation, but it was based on the nature of their offering. So maybe it was the type of offering given. You know, it's, you can make that point. You can look at Genesis 3.21, and it talks about how God uh, gave garments of skin for Adam and Eve and showed them the sacrifice and how it's going to require blood to pay for their sin. Maybe, you know, Cain brought from the ground and then Abel brought the flock. But, you know, you could argue that in Leviticus 2, it talks about grain offerings and that's acceptable to the Lord. So what do you think it was that God said, with Cain I don't approve and Abel I do? I think we get a hint and an answer in Hebrews 11. 11.4, 11, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. A couple of verses later, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, there's no other way to be reconciled to the Lord except coming to God in faith. Abel came to God in faith, Cain didn't. I like what John Calvin said about this. There should be a quote. Cain conducted himself as hypocrites are accustomed to do, namely that he wished to appease God as one discharging a debt by external sacrifices without the least intention of dedicating himself to God. Man. John Calvin's talking about Cain's heart is not right before God. His heart is something's wrong there. He wanted to, to come to God with external things and wanted the, the blessings but didn't want dedication. So let's look at what the definition of anger is. 
this is my own definition. It says, a rising up in the heart, it's something from inside you, a negative emotional response against a perceived evil that interferes with something desired. A negative emotional response against a perceived evil that interferes with something desired. I'm against that. It matters. This displeases me. This is wrong. Your soul cries out and sees this. That shouldn't be. And I'll tell you this morning that you were wired to be angry. You were wired to react to wrong. God wired you to relate to evil by getting upset. It is meant to displease you. You see, the very fact that you get angry shows that you have the image of God in you. It's kind of crazy stuff, isn't it? But it is. And see, this image of God can be perverted, but it can't be erased. We all get angry. We can pervert it with our sin, but we should be. So there's two types of anger. The first anger is righteous anger. And so when I say this, this doesn't mean that uh, God has this dysfunctional uh, characteristic that he puts in a closet. No. This is righteous anger. And it's a good thing. It's a holy thing. So the first thing that righteous anger does, it reacts against actual sin. This violates God's word. I'm upset. The second thing it does, it focuses on God and his concerns. In other words, it has God's heart at the matter. His heart has been offended. You're concerned with God's glory. I'm reminded of uh, Jesus clearing out the temple. And uh, he went and he, and he saw this is not right. This offends me. This is wrong. And, and it's sin. So he cleared it out. And what did he say? He said, my father's house shall not be a house of trade. He had God's heart at mind there. This is, this is righteous anger. Thirdly, righteous anger coexists with other godly qualities and expresses itself in godly ways. So in other words, um, if you're righteously angered, you're going to have self-control. You're not going to fly out with rage. You're not going to go off on a cussing tirade. That's sinful anger. That's not God's anger. Righteous anger seeks the justice for victims. It shows concern for the well-being of others. Racism. This should make you mad. It should. You're wired to. Child abuse. Abortion. Adultery. These things should anger you. This is how you are wired. Righteous anger shows concern for those, those victims. Another thing righteous anger does, it will lead you to expressions of worship. So you see children without parents, children in bad situations, and you go into foster care and adoption. We do that. Last Friday, uh, you see the poor, 
And a lot of us went down to uh, do the homeless ministry. This should drive you to expressions of worship. That said, uh, Jeff's going to be talking at the end uh, about the victims from last night. Uh, they're, they're collecting some blankets and different things that they're going to have at Harvest Hill Church. And this should drive us to, to do this. And so keep this in mind as Jeff brings that to the end on what the details are there. But righteous anger should, should drive that in us. It makes you do something about it. So let me make this statement. The Bible is about anger. Genesis 1.31, God finished and said, this is good, and he rested. Everything's perfect. Lions and lambs are together. Man is walking in harmony with God. Man is even in harmony with his wife. Everything is perfect, and it's great, and it's as should be. And guess what happened? We messed it up. We destroyed the whole thing, and it made God angry. Jesus was sent because of anger. Hold on a second, Kev. Jesus was sent because of anger. John 3.16 says, though, he, he loved the world, so he sent his son. You cannot separate God's anger from his love. See, he is angry because he loves. Because he cares is why he's angry. So, example, if, if my son, uh, who I love dearly, if he walked out in the street and I said, well, you know, I love my son, you know, he's, he's great, but he's going to do what he's going to do. What kind of love is that? It's crazy. I'm going to go out and get him. I'm going to bring him back because I love him. And that's what God is doing. God is reconciling that which we messed up because he's angry, because he loves us. He's trying to make it right. He's doing something about it. This is righteous anger. The next kind of anger is sinful anger. I think we're well accustomed with this, right? The first thing of sinful anger is my heart is offended. The focus is on me. You see, we can, this is what's interesting. We can start out with righteous anger, and we can have these good motives but if we let it go too long, more than likely, it's going to turn into sinful anger because it's going to come back to, well, how does this really affect me? And when it comes back to me, that's when it becomes sin. It's interesting, you're looking at the, the Old Testament. Uh, there are 47 instances of anger in the Old Testament, and 42 of them are sinful. It's hard to stay in righteous anger, and so don't be long in your anger. Secondly, sinful anger reveals my selfish, thwarted desires. My personal standard hasn't been met. There's a judgmental nature about your anger. This usually plays out in two ways. Lust, in other words, I want to control something through, through these two avenues. I want to either control it through lust, something I want to obtain, 
and this happens a lot, and I talk to a lot of people in, in, in counseling, and they said, man, I'm upset because I don't have relationships with my wife. I want this. Thwarted desires. Second way this plays out is through fear. In other words, I want to protect something. This could be my bank account. I don't want nobody messing with my bank account. If somebody messes with my bank account, well, my desires are thwarted and I'm upset. So it's interesting that sinful anger usually plays out through lust or fear. It's one of the two. Thirdly, it's acted upon and expressed wrongly. It's unbiblical. And there's three faces of anger. You know, you can have the explosive, I'm getting in your face. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to blow up. That's one face. Second one is stewing. I have a silent indignation toward someone. Thirdly, what I talked about starting out, irritation. I'm annoyed. I'm embittered. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I might have some silent anger, but at least I'm not explosive. Guess what? Silent anger is no less offensive to God than explosive anger. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, it's polar opposite. If, if I want my way and I get my way, guess what? God's not getting his way. Or if God's getting his way, I'm not getting my way. They don't match. And so this is what's really interesting about anger. It's a heart deal. It's a heart issue. And so my sinful anger versus God's righteous anger. One of the things you can say about the two is sinful anger is inwardly focused Righteous anger is outwardly focused. So we get back to our story here. And which anger did Cain have? Well, let's read and see, all right? Let's look at verse 6, verse 6 and 7. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. You must rule over it. This begins a series of conversations between God and Cain. And here is God counseling Cain. And he says in verse 6, he says, uh, well, let me first before I say that, we know this is not righteous anger because God's confronting him, right? If, if, he, if he was agreeing with him, he wouldn't be confronting him. So we know this is sinful anger. In verse 6, it says, why are you angry? This is an important question we'll get to toward the end of the sermon. It's a great question that God asks. Why are you angry? And then he says, why has your face fallen? Oftentimes with anger, there's partners to anger. Here you see self-pity. His face has fallen. 
you see in this story there's jealousy. There's self-righteousness. There's revenge. There's despair. These are partners of anger. There's guilt. There's shame. This is a big one. There's a lack of patience. These all partner up with, with anger, sinful anger. Verse 7, you know, God says, um, you have a choice here. If you approach me in faith, you'll be accepted. Your heart will be changed if you approach God in faith. He says, but if you do not come in faith, sin will rule and destroy your heart. In other words, I want to live for myself. If you do that, your, your heart is destroyed. It's interesting, um, the wording there. Sin is crouching at your door, and it's desirous for you. You know, I, I think of the, the Bible, and it talks about uh, Satan uh, going around as a roaring lion. This is what I kind of thought of when I read this. Is he's, he's crouching at the door. You can't see him. He's there, and he's ready to get you. He is ready to kill you. And, and this is what God says to Cain. It's crouching there. It's desirous for you. You cannot see it. It's going to get you. If you don't repent, it's going to get you. Then he ends that verse. It says, but you must rule over it. The only way you can rule over sin, and in this case sinful anger, is through Christ. You know, you, you can't have your human efforts. They're futile. Like if I tell you to go, uh, you're angry, man, go get a pillow and scream in it. That's crazy. Or, or go get you a, a, a punching bag and start hitting it. Let your anger out. That's, that's crazy. It's only through Christ. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. In other words, you can be angry. Righteous anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't be long, even if it's righteous anger. Don't be long because we're sinful. Let's look what happened. Verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. God warned him. It's crouching at your door. It's going to get you. This is interesting. Who did Cain have an issue with? Was it Abel? You know, Abel was just doing what he was supposed to do. God, God said, sacrifice, hey, I'm going to bring an offering. I'm going to be obedient here. He had nothing to do with this, and, and he's killed. Because if you take Cain, if you take Abel out of the story, what happens? It still happens. Cain had an issue with God. God did not meet Cain's standard. That's what sinful anger is. Sinful anger is always against God. See, it's my standard, not God's standard. Cain thought, you know, I'm going to approach God with um, my half-heartedness, and you know what? He better forgive me. And he says they didn't accept it. 
my standard, God didn't meet my standard, therefore I'm angry. I blow up. You know, a couple of months ago in August, we went to San Diego. Uh, great place, man. We just had a really good time. Uh, went to La Jolla. Uh, had a beach not too far. Uh, a beach. Had a hotel not too far from the beach. And our hotel faced the, the ocean. It was absolutely beautiful. And my wife is a planner. She would say that she's not, but she is. And uh, so we had planned out this day. We'd been to the, the beach, watched the sunset on the ocean the night before, which is great. I used to live in California. I wanted to, to give that experience to them and, and do that. And um, Next day, man, we get up and we go to the zoo. We go to these different places. And, and you know, I've got Grant where I'm, I'm wore out, you know. And, and so she's saying, uh, let's, go to the, let's go to the ocean and watch the, the sunset on the, the beach again. No, I don't. I don't why, don't we, why don't we just go, go back? No, let, let's, go, let's go to the ocean. And, and, you know, it's vacation. She's trying to enjoy herself, you know. And she's trying to do this. And I'm like going, no, nah, I'll. I, Let's go to the hotel. And uh, so her and Justin end up going to the beach, and me and Grant go up to the hotel. And I start examining my heart. And I start looking at myself and, and like, why am I frustrated? Verse 6, where God says, why are you angry? Why am I frustrated? And I came to the conclusion, the reason I'm frustrated is because she is not doing what I want to do. Wow. Repent. See, it's my thwarted desires, lust or fear. I wanted to obtain, I wanted to obtain peace and quiet and rest. That's what I wanted. I wasn't getting it. I'm angry. My efforts to control fail. I'm angry. James is a wonderful parallel passage to this. Uh, we'll look at uh, verse 1 through 3 here. James is talking to believers here. And he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What a great question. He says, is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. In other words, your flesh is at war against God's Spirit. My will is at war against God's will. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Passions of the flesh wage war against your soul. And James is giving counsel here, and he says, This is why you get in, you get in fights, you get in quarrels. It's because this flesh in me wants more than the Spirit of God in me. Talking about your heart. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. It's an interesting little end of that verse there. It's talking about maybe I'll give it to you if you ask me. And it says, you know, you desire, you're thwarted, so you murder. You covet, it's, it's thwarted, so you fight and you quarrel. It says if we want something too much, and this could be a good thing, 
relations with your wife, money, trying to be frugal with your money, that could be a good thing. But if you want that too much, that I'm willing to sin to obtain or protect it, in other words, lust or fear, my heart desires this over God. You're angry because you have a heart problem. Verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. This is, this is really crazy. God is saying we can pray to him with wrong motives. That's a little scary, isn't it? So if I said, God, help my spouse be more loving, more respectful, more generous, sounds like a great prayer, right? But if God looks into my heart and sees my motive, and he sees it, well, the reason I'm praying this is because I want to make my life easier, my life better. I deserve this. God says, that's sin. You ask wrongly. You ask because you're selfish. You ask because I want to satisfy my flesh. And God says, no. This is not on the the board here, but verse 4, I'll read this. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity God? God, James is saying that the same desire that promotes quarreling is the same as deep love for the world. That's a little scary. Mm. Let's go back to our story. Let's look at verse 9. Verse 9, it says, When the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Go back to verse 9 there. It says, you know, Cain's flippant response to God says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? In our sinful anger, you will have a temptation to shift blame. It's birthed out of self-righteousness. And how many times have have you said this? Like, you know, this person makes me angry. No. Or... I'm around this person. This person just irritates me. This person doesn't make you angry, and this person doesn't irritate you. That's in your heart. They bring it up out of your heart. The temptation here is to shift blame. Anger comes from your heart. It's there. It's already there, and it's pulled up. You look at verse 11 and 12. God says, you know, you are cursed from the ground. It says, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield strength. You're going to be a fugitive. You're going to be a wanderer on this earth. There is a cost to your sinful anger. There is always a cost to your sinful anger. Whether that's divorce, strained relationships, 
losing your job. You know, anger at a misplaced time can leave life-altering effects. You see about this in the news all the time. People at a restaurant get in a fight. One person ends up dead, and the other one goes to jail for the rest of their life. Boom, blow up. It can cost you. So there's always a cost to your sinful anger. Let's continue reading here. 13 and 14. It's Cain talking here. He says, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and my face shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me is going to kill me. You know, you have Cain crying out here, and he's crying out in self-pity and despair to God. And you see it just dripping off the page. You know, instead of crying out in self-pity, God wants us to cry out to him in repentance. James 4, 6 says, but God gives more grace. Man, that's good news, isn't it? Because every one of us in here had this problem. Humble ourselves in faith before God. It says, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, where would I be without God's grace? I'd be in so much trouble. That's good news. But you know what? We have to humble ourselves to approach God in faith. Verse 15. This is God's grace displayed here. It says, The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Tragic verse 16 says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. See, it's a choice. Submitting yourself to God. Get me out of the way. My desires are contrary to God's desires. My submission to him. God says, if you submit to me, I give you grace. Now, let me throw in a couple of notes here. The Bible does not say to be angerless. So sometimes you, you think, man, I'm going I'm to solve this by... I'm going to be stoic. And uh, if that's you, that's not right. Something's wrong. We need to talk through that. If something doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong. You are wired to be angry. Be wired righteously angry. You might say here, it's like, Kevin, you don't understand my situation, man. This, this situation deserves justice. And uh, I need justice. Remember, sinful anger has a judgmental feel about it. And, and when you approach your situation with justice, you're basically saying, 
this is me, this is God, and this is the other person. I stand in judgment over both of them. Wow, yeah. I stand in judgment over God because his standard does not meet my standard. Remember Cain? So therefore, I get angry. A need for justice is a good thing, but we need to follow God's Christ example. Let's, First Peter 2, it should be up on the screen there. Listen to what he, what he does here. He says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But look what he did here. He says, But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So part of humility is trusting God. When God says, vengeance is mine, it's not yours, it's mine. You let me handle that. When we start getting involved, and we might start out of a righteous anger, but remember, when it comes back to how it affects me, that's sinful anger. God says, trust me. You know, when I don't trust God, what I'm basically doing is I trust me. That's what you're saying. I trust me. I don't trust God. And so letting go and saying, God, I'm just going to, I don't know how you're going to deal with this. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. You take care of it. You deal with it as you want. And my job is to submit to you, to be loving, to be kind, to be compassionate. That's what we need to do. But it's a choice. So let's look at some biblical counsel for anger as we wrap up here. So the first thing is follow anger to the source. Identify your thwarted desires. What are the things that frustrate you? What are you trying to control through lust and fear? Is it for the glory of God? Great. Is it for the dignity of mankind? Man, you're right on. It's righteous. But if it's for sinful desires, something that I have exalted above Christ causes me to get angry, identify that. Find out what that is. Secondly, identify the loves and affections of your heart. Remember, this is a heart problem. I am angry because I love... That's a question you need to ask yourself. Why am I angry? Verse 6, God giving counsel to Cain. Why are you angry? I am angry because I love this... And this has been thwarted, so therefore, my efforts to control it, I cannot do it, so therefore, I'm mad. Identify that. If your affections are on Christ, that's great. You should have righteous anger. There shouldn't be sin there. So once you find out the source, acknowledge the source. See, your temptation is going to be to shift blame. See Cain? 
you know, yeah, they, they make me angry. No, it's me. Take responsibility. Call it what it is. If it's righteous, righteous. If it's selfish, selfish. If it's misconstrued circumstances, if it's sin, call it sin. Lastly, if it's sinful, repent. Uh, James says God gives grace. God gives more grace. Thank God for that. Repent. He says, you know, humble yourself. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. See, because really what this is, this is my desires versus God's desires. Anger is that. Sinful anger. My desires versus God's desires. If you do well, if you approach me in faith with humble submission, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, is desirous for you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for just your word, Lord. And Father, I come before you repenting, for my selfish desires, Father, my desires, Lord, that I have put above you. I pray, God, that you'll forgive me, Father. I pray, Lord, you'll forgive us. I pray, Lord, that we would humbly come before you, Father, in submission, come to you in faith, Father, knowing that you love us and you forgave us, Father. And I just pray, God, that uh, you would speak to us this morning, Father, and just let us be attentive to your ear, Father. And help us in our anger, Father. Help us be righteous in our anger, Father. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.